Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Your face is all I see. 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Who is God? The way you answer that question will determine... It'll determine everything. For out of the answer will flow the modern mix of wickedness that we have in America. Or our answer will call us back to the holiness of the righteous of the past. The answer is vital. And the answer will make some people very upset and very angry. Who is God? What right does he have to tell me what is right or wrong? And should I listen? Should I listen? Let me pose a real-life situation. I have eight grandchildren. What if one of my grandchildren, as they grow and mature, makes a decision that they are homosexual? And as such, they begin to love a partner. And the day comes when they say, we're going to get married. We want you to come to our wedding. What should my response be? Should I say, yes, I'll come to your wedding? Yes, I'll do your wedding for you? What should my response be? Well, the modern version is that what's really important is love. And love means that I do all I can to support and care for whatever their decisions are, because I'm to have unconditional love. Some of you are already facing this question, or have faced it. I don't know what your answer was or is, but let me tell you where I must stand. I would tell them, I love you, but I cannot participate in what you're calling a gay marriage. Marriage came from God. It's a gift from God. 
It is holy and sacred. And so, no, I will not be attending your marriage, neither will I be coming to your reception. I will not participate with you in what I consider a sin against God. Now I would be charged with being unloving, and that decision could possibly break my relationship to my grandchild. Would I be okay with that? No, I would not be okay with breaking relationships over any issue. But here's the issue. Am I the one who determines what is right and wrong based on how I feel and how they feel? Yes, I could make my decision based on how I feel and how they feel if I am God. But I am not God. I know how God feels about it. He's been very clear in the scriptures. So the question is, do I go with what I feel or with what God feels? Now, why this issue is so absolutely vital tragically vital. I'm a preacher of righteousness. I made a decision, or I have made decisions, that people have been very critical of, charging me with every kind of wrongdoing. But it was perfectly in line with what God desired. It was just not in line with what American culture has decided. And I have had people leave the church because I made that decision. Because I went against the norm of their theological understanding. Now, let me try to outline why this issue is so vital for a Christian. I come preaching repentance. I come preaching holiness. But what is the basis for that holiness? What is the basis for decision-making in that righteousness? Is it how I feel? 
Is it what the culture deems correct? Is it what what I want? Or is it based on God? Do I decide how I will spend money, how I will spend time, how I will spend energy based on what feels right to me? Or must I make that decision based on what is right before a righteous God? This is a very strong, strong issue. Do you see the issue? If my decisions, if my feelings, if my actions flow out of a cultural understanding, then there really is no necessity for me to repent. I said on the radio recently, If you are acting based on what your grandma and grandpa thought, what did they base their decision on? My mother on one side would bring many things into the decision before she would say it one way or the other. She would think of how people felt. She would think of how people were expecting her to behave. Should she go to the Christmas party with her workmates who were medical technologies? Should she go to the Christmas party where she knew they were going to be drinking and carousing? Or should she say no? Well, my dad always said, no, Orpha, you should not go. But she'd say, they're all expecting me. And she would go to the party. Well, let's be clear. There was no biblical reason for why she should not go, but there was a very strong biblical reason for why she should go. She was not affirming their alcohol. She was not affirming or standing by in support of their lewd jokes their worldly living. But on the other hand, she was going to make a very clear statement 
that I'm a Christian. So on what basis do we make these kinds of decisions? I have a very difficult time in the preaching of the messages that I bring to you day by day because those messages call for a very straight line, a line that supports whatever the Lord God of heaven has revealed in his scriptures. But in today's culture, repentance is almost impossible. Because we have smashed a square peg into a round hole. We have compromised and made the decision that we can decide what is right and what is wrong. And love seems to be the top, utmost authority for what we should do or not do. Morality is not the top issue. Love is the main issue. Will this seem loving, or will this seem obstinate, difficult, hard to swallow. So because our culture has decided that love is the real issue, and the preachers all preach that love is the real issue, we should always be loving according to the understanding of of those around us, our culture. So because of that, we have a very fluid situation where we can justify any kind of behavior that is loving by definition of the culture. And God is left out. God is not the one who establishes what is moral and good and loving. I remember reading just recently Ezra and Nehemiah and children of Israel had violated what God had told them and they had married people who were from the pagan nations who were pagan and brought them into their family. And Ezra took the position, no, separate, break the family. It's ungodly, unacceptable before God. And that's what they did with tears. So, let me say this in a very clear but kind and loving way. For the Christian, 
who is going to go to heaven and appear before God in glory and enter into paradise. There is only one standard, and that's God's standard. And if you violate God's standard, he is the judge. And when the day comes for the great harvest of souls, only those who have abided by the standard of of the Lord God of heaven will enter into his paradise. Genesis, the first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator God. And you read in the first chapter of Genesis all the work that he did in creating all that we see that we consider to be the earth. And he saw that it was good. He determined that he had made a worthwhile earth that would work, a balanced system. And then on the seventh day, when God had finished his work, he rested from that work. And he blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy because... On it he had rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. And then you find the story of of Adam and Eve as God created Adam. And then he said, This living being that I have created needs a partner. And so Adam was caused to fall asleep. And while he was sleeping, God took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Raises a very difficult question in the American culture, because in the American culture, we have tried everything we can to make a man and a woman equal. And it is true, God made them partners together in the task assigned to them. But Adam was the head of the family. Eve was not. She was Adam's helpmate not Adam, her helpmate. That makes a lot of people angry today. But that's how God created us. 
and he created us to be man and woman, not woman and man, not Bill and Harry. It was man and woman. Marriage is, again, a sacred institution between only a man and a woman. Now, there is disagreement, but again, I raise the question, who created the world? Who created the earth and the heavens? Who created man? Who created woman? Did he then just release us to go our way and do whatever we choose to do with our time and energy and money? No, he did not. Chapter 3, we find where the trouble started. A serpent made its way, or a dragon made its way into the garden. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was first good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. Well, wait. The husband should have stopped her and said, No, don't don't touch that tree. He was the head of the house. He was responsible before God. Much of the trouble that we have today is husbands unwilling to guard in love their wives. They heard God walking in the cool of the day, and they hid from him. And God calls to them. He called to the man. He did not call to the woman. He called to the man. The man was responsible, not the woman. The woman was deceived. The man knew exactly what was going on. They covered their nakedness with fig leaves because the Shekinah glory of God had departed from them. Where are you, Adam? I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? 
and then come the curses. The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. He didn't man up. It's the woman's fault. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So you see, God, it's, it's not my fault. And God said to the serpent, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, anger, hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. I will put enmity between you and the woman, the church, between you and the church. between your offspring and hers. Who are the devil's offspring? Those who understand that they can make their own choices and their own decisions, that they will determine what the value is or the morality is. And there's conflict between those who say, I will go with the serpent and those who say, I will go with the Lord God of heaven. You understand that those who say, I will go with the serpent are the ones who are saying, I'll go with how I judge the looks of something, the taste, the desirability. I'm like God. I decide what's right or wrong. If I want to go somewhere, I'll go. If I want to do something, I'll do it. If I want to, if I want an affair, I'll have one. If I want to fornicate, I'll have one. If I want to shack up with a woman and not be married and shake my fist in God's face and say, we're going to live together, we're not going to be married. We're just going to live together to see how things work out for us. Or financially, if I get married, I lose this amount of money. It is the serpent, the dragon. And so some of you have dragons tattooed on your arms or your chest, your leg. You've said, I serve the dragon. That is, I serve myself. I establish the moral value of whatever is going to happen in my life. 
It's not culture. It's not what my family says. It's not what my friends say. It's what I desire. I do what I want to do. He will crush your head. That is, Mary's son will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I'll make your pain in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. It wasn't supposed to be that way. That was the result of her being deceived. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. It was not God's will that Adam should rule over Eve. It was his desire that they have a peaceful life together, where she helped him in what he needed to do. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, that you must not eat from it, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your bread until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the foundation that we come to understand. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living things. This is not foolishness. This is the very foundation of the human race. This is how it was instituted. This is what God desired. And then because of their sin, certain curses were placed upon them. And then the Lord, the Lord God, made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. The man, the Lord said, has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. You understand the word to know is the same as to have intercourse with. In other words, God is saying, this man now is intimately acquainted with evil. He has committed evil but he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim, that is, a warring angel and a flaming sword 
that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's take a moment and speak about that. Adam and Eve have just lost their home. They've lost their natural source of food. They have now been told they're welcome to eat all of the plants of the field. They've been eating fruit and nuts. That was their diet. And now they cannot enter back into their home because there is a a flashing sword that will take their life, will kill them. There is no way back into the paradise of God where he rules, where he created. They can't get back. And the big question was how do we ever get back into paradise? And all of the rest of the Bible is about how God devised a method by which his children, his human children, how they could return to the garden. For God's heart is that they be in the garden. That's their home. We have been evicted from our home. And there is a certain lostness in our souls because we've been evicted from home. And no one can enter paradise again without dealing with death. Death is the only door by which a man or woman can enter paradise again, ever, in eternity. That's why Jesus made an atonement for us, and in so doing, he chose to die. Because it was a a God-man from a virgin woman fully God and fully man. In his death, he opened the door to paradise for us. He he removed the flashing sword. Now, I don't understand all of this. I just know that the atoning blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient to make peace between God and me. I treasure that. But if I'm going to enter through that gate into paradise, I'm going to have to obey what God says I must do. For we have all sinned against the Lord God of heaven. And none of us are fit 
even begin to think about how do we get back into paradise. Let me read this. Romans, the first chapter, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in sinful desires to the hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served and created living things rather created things rather than the Creator. Here's the issue. If you're shacked up with somebody, if you're living with someone you're not married to, the judgment and the curses of God are resting upon you, and you will die. If you fornicate when you choose, see, it's sexual sin is the primary and first focus that Paul gives us in the book of Romans, saying that God gave us over to the sinful desires of the heart in sexual impurity for the degrading of the bodies with one another. I would say that the lust of the heart it says there, verse 26, even their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with the woman and were inflamed with lust for one another, for men. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. And they have been filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're all full of envy and murder and strife, deceit and malice. 
They're gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And at the very end, but also approve of those who practice these wicked things. So would I go to a, a marriage for homosexuals? No, first it's not a marriage. It's a made-up false thing. God made marriage, and governments can't alter what God has made. But those who who support, who approve, because we want to show them we love them. All of this is tied from the New Testament directly back to the beginning of time. When men and women said, we will do whatever we want to do. And we're not going to live by your standard, God. We're going to spend our money the way we want to spend it. It's ours. We're going to spend our time doing what we enjoy doing. We are free to do what we want to do. Yes, you are free. Until the judgment. And the day of judgment is coming. And so that person who says, I can shack up with whomever I want to shack up with. We're, we love each other, so we're going to live with each other before we're married. Lying, cheating, stealing, fighting, violence. They will never be allowed through that, that gate into paradise again. They are blocked out. Am I saying that a person who is not married, who's living with another person, is blocked out of the presence of God? Yes. Is that person blocked out of the kingdom of God for eternity? Yes. Yes. There are only two ways. It's the right way or the wrong way. The wrong way goes directly to hell. But pastor, I don't want to go to hell. I, I agree. I don't want to go to hell either. But there's only one way you can escape going to hell. And that is by repenting. Repenting means to turn from going the direction I'm going, the direction the evil spirit, the dragon, told Eve. It's turning from that direction and turning back and saying, Lord, I will obey you. Jesus, I will obey you. I belong to you, Almighty God. So who is God? He is the judge. He is the creator. He is the owner. And he is the judge. And according to scripture, 
and we'll deal with this in another broadcast, but according to Scripture, every one of us is going to stand before the judgment bar of God. And what we have done in this life, we will have to face and take responsibility for. And it's heaven or hell. Now, you may not like what I've said to you today, and that's okay. You don't have to like or agree with the Word of God. But in the end, it is only those who have humbled their hearts and agreed with the Word of God that will be brought back into paradise. Don't miss paradise. Don't miss heaven. Quickly, repent and turn from all things that are that are wicked and evil. Now let me pray with you. Lord, I come with fear and trembling because you are God. All by yourself, you are God. And if we make decisions against you, you will make a decision against us for eternity. So, Lord, I come. There are some today who are afflicted with sin, but with also disease discouragement, hopelessness. There are those precious ones today who don't want to hear about repentance. They want to hear all the good things and all the blessings. They want you to be Santa Claus, God. They sugarcoat you. But you're not Santa Claus. You are the Lord. And the cup we must drink doesn't have sugar. Lord, it's straight up. Will you humble your heart before Almighty God and do exactly what he tells you in the scriptures that you must do? Lord, it's not me who tells them what is right or wrong. I simply bring a straight word of Scripture. And then they have to decide. Thank you, Lord. Bless those today who wait before you for the healing touch of your hand. Thank you, Lord. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. As you can imagine, this message that I've just preached is not a popular message in the wicked confines of the world. But I'm going to stand and I'm going to preach and I'm going to trust Jesus to move in the hearts of his people to give as he directs them, that we can stay on the air.
You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And what you give does not go to my pocket. It is used for the cost of the radio, which we have to buy, and it's used for the work of the ministry that we are engaged in in the salvation of men's souls. Thank you. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all of my heart. But I love you in the directions and the instructions of the Lord. I'll talk to you soon.